Good morning, everyone. Um, lovely to be with you. Um, so today I have um, the wonderful joy of going through Nehemiah 3, um, which is a beautiful list of names and building um, parts of the wall, and I love it. So I hope that you will um, also love it by the end of this and as you continue to read through Nehemiah. Um, so if you would um, turn to Nehemiah 3 um, with me in your Bibles, I'm reading from the ESV, um, and it is going to be a long one, but... Um, enjoy the names. Um, God loves names. He knows our names. Um, and enjoy all the parts of the wall. Try and imagine it. It goes around in a bit of a circle um, and it's brought to completion at the Sheep Gate. Um, so here we go. Um, Nehemiah 3. Then Elisha Hib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the Sheep Gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far, oh, we've got it on, hold on, <laughs> um, as far as the Hundred, um, they, and next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to him, Zachar, the son of Imri built. The sons of Hanasseh built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to him, Merimuth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz repaired. And next to the Mashalim, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshazabal, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baner, repaired. And next to them, the Tekohites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Jehoiada, the son of Pasiah, and Mashalim, the son of Besoyedah, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them repaired Meth. Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Marathonite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to them, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Repaniah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Haranth, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, repaired. Malachiah, the son of Harim, and Hasab, the son of Pathmoab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, son of Halasheth, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zanua repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malachiah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Harechab, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Korhoseth, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of cellar of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzur, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. Are you still with me? Um, after him, the Levites repaired, Raham, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Keliah, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Bavai, the son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Keliah. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, 
repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Barak, son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elishahib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakoz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishahib to the end of the house of Elishahib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Masaiah, son of Anaiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palel, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Pedadiah, the son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate, on the east, and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoahites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hannah, the sixth son of Zephoth, um, repaired another section. After him, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Malachiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the muster gate, and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber chamber of the corner and the sheep gate the goldsmiths and merchants repaired this is <laughs> um thank you Let, let's pray lord we thank you for all of these names thank you for um these people and these families and um, that built alongside each other and um, to do your will thank you lord that you know our names thank you that you have given us things to do for you. And I ask that um, as we go into what um, this means and what this says, um, Lord, would you reveal the things that you've given us to do? And would you, by your Holy Spirit, give us the strength to go out and do it to your glory? Amen. Wonderful. So we read through all of that. Well done. Um, and Let's go right back to the beginning. It begins with Elishahib, the high priest, and his brothers, and they begin um, with the sheep gate. This is all part of the rebuilding, um, and I think this is a really beautiful place to start. Elishahib is the high priest. He starts at the sheep gate, and the sheep gate is the place where all of the sacrifices would be brought into the temple. Um, this is such a beautiful picture of Jesus, who is our great high priest. And our relationship with the Father begins with his sacrifice um, and coming to know him. So the rebuilding of the church begins with Jesus. Um, something that I would like you to hold on to throughout um, this preach is this um, sentence, that we are rebuilding with differences, but in unity for a common purpose. So the rebuilding um, begins uh, with this sacrifice. Um, the Israelites who were building um, knew what it was to see a destroyed city. Um, they had been in exile, they had experienced deep hurt and deep pain, yet God in his rich mercy allowed them to rebuild the walls and to restore the shame that they had experienced. It's in God's heart to bring us out of exile and into be part of what of 
of the restoration that he has. We as the church are given the grace to rebuild alongside each other um, under Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one who sacrificed his life that we might know the Father. The priests and the temple were a shadow of the things to come, which were fulfilled in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Where the high priest, Elisha, led the rebuilding and began with the place of sacrifice, Jesus came as that sacrifice. He made a way for us to come to the Father and for us to be restored. We have all sinned and we need to be reconciled with God. And this only happens through Jesus. And when thinking about rebuilding and um, the different images that it comes up with, um, I was drawn to Ephesians 4, which talks about the building up of the church. Um, so if you want to turn there as well in your Bible, I've got a few of the verses up um, that we're going to read through. Um, overall, in this passage, there's an eagerness to build up um, the church in love. So um, Ephesians 4 from 1 to 7 says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then later on um, from verse 11 to 16, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So it begins with the individual walking in a manner worthy of the calling. We're each called to walk before the Lord in community, which is the church, and we're all given things to do alongside each other. The passage in Nehemiah and Ephesians shows that there's a recognition of the individual call um, to follow the Lord, but also this is done in the community. And this idea of obeying the Lord and the idea of obedience might be quite hard for some people um, who've had a negative or perhaps a manipulative um, experience of obedience. Um, but in the sense that I'll be talking about, it's um, obedience from a place of love knowing that God is good he is love and so when we obey it's not out of manipulation and um, but it's out of a deep desire to know him and to do what he's asked us to do I wonder what some of the things are um, that God's asked you to do are you obeying him in this I have to ask myself that continually daily am I walking in obedience to what he's called me to do. Obedience for us as Christians um, is individual, as I've said, and it's also communal. 
in the wall building, individuals are named, as you know, um, and then their family, and then the task that they were given to do. The names mentioned indicate that, God's, that God knows and he sees the service done. We don't do things as Christians for recognition, um, but it is comforting to know that God does know the faithful things that we do behind closed doors um, the way that we speak to our family members when we're really tired and annoyed um, or the way that we um, you know, talk to the Lord when no one else can hear. In Ephesians, we read that everyone has been given gifts to use by the Spirit um, alongside each other. And this is much like the people on the wall. They all built in families um, together. Obedience always has lasting effects. The people building the wall probably couldn't see the big picture. They only focused on the bit that they were given to do. But we have this privilege of seeing the work that they did and um, the Israelites that followed them. Um, obedience always leads to a beautiful inheritance for people um, that we'll never see and we'll never know. Um, but it's a part of depending on the Lord. We're not building things, as I've said, that we can see on earth, as we might measure our faith by exterior things, such as church attendance, how many theology books we've read, how many people we've led to the Lord. And these things are good. We should do them. Um, but that's not the aim. That's not um, what we're here for. Um, and actually, sometimes when we see the exterior things and um, we think, oh, I'm doing this, that actually leads to greater brokenness when those things don't happen and we can't see our prayers answered. Um, I, I was thinking about this and remembering my time at sixth form, um, which was very challenging. Um, and one of the challenging aspects was um, leading a CU, so like a Christian union. Um, and I'd prepare and I'd be like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Um, prep what I needed to prep. Um, sometimes it was very last minute, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, and there were some weeks where two or three people would turn up, maybe not anyone. Um, and I just didn't know where these people were. I didn't know if they were following the Lord. Um, and I felt that I'd failed in so much. Um, however, a few years later, I was doing a gap year and two of these girls who um, sometimes came um, were in a youth group. And I found it that they had um, decided to get baptised and were getting baptised. And that was such a humbling thing because I knew that my attitude and turning up for these things and sometimes feeling like I'd failed um, or the prayers that I'd prayed had been so wasted for people who weren't listening. Actually, it wasn't about me. <laughs> it was about the Lord and he was working um, in their lives. So the things that we do in obedience, the prayers that we pray, um, the things that we um, do that no one else sees, they sow into something far much bigger than ourselves. And we as the church um, build into something for unity, and we do this in unity. And this only happens by the Holy Spirit. The way that we live with each other in unity is also a witness um, of the love that we have for God. Being committed to the church is a witness to those outside that we love someone so much bigger than ourselves. We demonstrate that we're committed to worship someone greater and someone calls us to love people we perhaps would have never been drawn to love. The way that we build each other up, as I've said, is a witness. It's not only for ourselves, it's also for the people who are looking on. It's also a sacrifice to build alongside someone who's hurt you, who has a different job or is fundamentally different, but 
This is a display of God's grace. So we've gone through the rebuilding. We're now onto the differences um, that we see in all of the jobs and all of the names. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 is beautiful for this. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then um, 12 verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then from verse 18, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. In Nehemiah, we see um, that the names are followed by different jobs. We have goldsmiths, priests, perfumers, and merchants. The church is similar to this. We all come to be part of the church, united under Christ, but differences in background, in cultures, in language, in likes and dislikes. And it's so beautiful, but it can also hurt. The list of names shows the difference, yet the kindness of God in those differences. It's not just one name, but it's many names. Um, we are called, as I have said, as I want you to know, as individuals before the Lord, but in community before the Lord. But as I've also said, it brings pain. Um, verse 5 talks about um, the pride of the leaders of the Tekoites. Um, they would not stoop to serve their Lord. Pride shatters unity. And pride can't be seen. <laughs> um, and I think that that's something that we have to come before the Lord with. Um, no one sees my pride. No one sees your pride except the Father. And it's before him that we are accountable for this. Pride stifles unity. Um, and we don't want that. <laughs> and it's only by his spirit can we repent of that. Um, and begin to act in humility as we are called to walk before the Lord. Um, I know that there are definitely attitudes of pride that I need to repent of. And I wonder if there's attitudes of pride that you need to repent of. As members of the body of Christ and as people who are so fully dependent on God for everything, we are asked to give what we receive holding on to the things, thinking, oh, I, I just have this one part to play in the church, or I just have this one gift. That's holding on to it. And actually, when we hold on to things in our own strength, those things end up being more shattered than they were to begin with. We are given grace to then give grace. We are given the Spirit to then show the Spirit in the way that we love, in the way that we talk, in the way that we worship. By not helping to build the wall, the nobles were trying to hold on to things in their own power. But the people under the nobles worked faithfully and they built two sections of the wall. I don't know if you noticed that, but that's quite fun. They were very speedy workers. As people who are following Christ, we are asked to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow him. This involves understanding that we are broken and we are in need of a saviour. It also means that we turn to God as the one we depend on in his provision, not our own.
in my life, I've seen that the things I've held on to in pride, like this CU, led to greater hurt because I was trying to do things in my own strength, not in the Lord's. Let's depend on the Lord <laughs> more than our own strength. So after the rebuilding with differences, it's now a bit about unity. So despite these differences, despite the hurt that might be caused, um, and there is healing um, when it's done um, before the Lord, um, there is unity. So we are called to unity under Christ as the head. This um, comes along only by the Spirit, so being individually filled um, by the Spirit and then seeing that um, in the community. They had a common purpose and they displayed this by working faithfully on the part of the war that they were given. Unity does not mean that we all have the same task to be done in the same way. Rather, unity comes when all the differences are held together and alongside each other with the common purpose of serving and loving the Lord. We need community because we are created for community. And this community that we are called to as Christians is so different and it's so unique to the community that we see in the world. Um, we don't choose to be with our brothers and sisters, but actually we are united by Jesus and that is more lasting and sustaining than any common interest in the world. We're also told throughout the Bible that the spirit dwells in unity. We are the body of Christ, united by Jesus, who is the head, and it's sustained by the Spirit. If we're walking by the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit enables us to be with each other. So we are given the task of walking humbly before the Lord as individuals, so that we can live in community to build up the church. The builders of the wall worked faithfully in their tasks with others and for others. This had lasting significance for generations. Unity comes when we are following Christ, which requires us to be selfless. Rebuilding and restoration is rooted in sacrifice, as we saw with the sheep gate and the giving and selflessness, because we are not doing it for ourselves, but for Christ. Is there anything in your life, I know that there is definitely in mine, that needs to be sacrificed in order to live selflessly, in order to live in community? We have a beautiful vision as believers in Jesus um, of unity that the world is so unfamiliar with. And this unity, as I've said before, is a witness. Now we're moving on to our common purpose. As a church, we desire to follow Jesus who laid down his life. And following Jesus means laying down our lives alongside each other for the building up of others. We're united in the gospel for the gospel to be spread. And this is our common purpose. The builders on the wall were united in seeing the wall being built. They had a common vision and they had a common purpose. With this vision, they persevered and they did it faithfully. We have the hope that Jesus is going to return and soon. And so what my biggest prayer is for myself and for the church is that we would be found faithful doing what he has asked us to do. If it's a tiny bit of the wall, if it's two parts of the wall, are you building in faithfulness? We're called to action. They didn't just imagine the wall being built, they actually did. We need to 
get up. Yes, we need to spend time with the Lord and be still before him, but we also need to go and do. His heart is to see justice done and to see lives being turned to him. And the vision of this church, Christ first, is beautiful. Um, And I think it's seen throughout Nehemiah 3. And the vision of this church is Christ first, transforming lives and building community. The people had a common purpose. We have a common purpose, and that is Christ, to know him and to make him known. This is our common purpose. This is the reason that we live differently, that we have community in a different way. And he is the one that we are looking forward to, to the return of. It's with Christ first in our hearts and in our lives that the actions um, that we do can see lives transformed. When we know Jesus and begin to love like him, then we see lives changed. Our purpose is to point to him in everything we do and say. We are transformed people desiring to see more people changed by the love of God. Because we are transformed, because we're living in the spirit with Christ first, we can then build community in a way that honours God. We're not asked to live independently, but to practice our faith in community. The builders on the wall had a common purpose, and they built despite their jobs, their preferences, and they did this alongside each other. Um, A few of the jobs listed, there's perfumers, goldsmiths, um, they didn't need to build a wall as part of their job. Um, They actually came in from quite a far way to try and build that wall. Sometimes it's inconvenient to be faithful in what we've been asked to do in community. Um, But that's fine, (laughs) because actually it's not for me, it's not for my um, self-fulfillment, it's actually to glorify God. So as the church, as Christ first, and as a global church, we have been entrusted with the privilege of rebuilding with differences but in unity, for a common purpose. So, what do we do? It all starts with our hearts before the Lord. I love that phrase, and I hope you remember it. It starts with our hearts. If we are to walk in a manner that is worthy of him, we need to know him. And how does this happen? (laughs) This happens by spending time with the one who loves us. It starts by praying, by talking to the Lord, This can honestly be, Lord, that flower is so lovely. Thank you so much for it. Or in my case, Lord, that coffee was just so good this morning. Those things that we say in the quiet moments, in the passing of a street, that builds relationship. So then when it comes to, oh, God, this hurts, my heart's there. I know that I can talk to him. And he listens and he answers Not in the ways that we want, not in the ways that we can always see, but he does. So we can pray. Always a good thing. We can read our Bibles. We have these beautiful lists of names, and I would encourage you to treasure these names um, and the genealogies. They are there for a reason. God knows those people. He knows you. Um, And to just gloss over them is sometimes easy when we're trying to rush through our Bible plan on a morning, But they are good, um, and we can learn so much from them. However you find to read your Bible, just do it. (laughs) Um, It is our daily bread. Um, If I didn't talk to my family, I wouldn't know them. And so if I don't talk with my father, who's in heaven, 
I won't know him and I won't be like him. So, starts with our hearts. Um, also, we want to love those around us um, in the church and outside. So this looks like giving our time and our resources. Um, we are asked to use the things that God has given us um, and to use them wisely. We can give our time, we can give um, our money, as I've said, and we can give our presence. And it's costly. <laughs> um, the people building the wall, I'm sure, were very tired by the end of the day. They'd probably spent their wages um, to help build some um, stones to build the wall. But it's all from God. So if it's from him who provides everything, then actually it's more beautiful to give it away. And he always provides. <laughs> when we hold things loosely because we trust God with him, God with them, beautiful things happen. So it starts with our hearts. We're asked to give and be in and we're asked to be part of community. And this happens in the church. And um, we have explore groups, which I've loved being a part of over my time here. And um, I would encourage you to get involved with one because that's where it happens. The midweek, the long day that you've had, um, and then there's a celebration as we meet together on a Sunday. The hidden acts of obedience that we do in deep love for the Lord out of knowing him and for each other are never wasted. So overall, <laughs> Nehemiah 3 shows that the building of the wall was done by individuals who are united with a common purpose of seeing the destroyed city rebuilt. They worked faithfully alongside each other in their differences. It started with the high priest at the sheep gate and it ended at the sheep gate. The work they did was done in obedience and it was brought to completion. We have the joy of knowing Jesus and through him we are united with the church who is eagerly waiting for Jesus to come again. He is the great high priest who made all of this possible through his sacrifice. One day this building will be completed. The faithful things that we do in secret will be made known. The things that we found hard, they'll be healed. Um, and that'll be when he comes again. And so while we are here, we have been entrusted with the task to build alongside each other and to see the church built up. It's in this building that we witness to those outside the church, to the goodness of God and his good purpose for his people. He desires to restore after deep shame and to rebuild after deep destruction. The Israelites were looking at walls that were destroyed, and yet they looked ahead to the restoration of those walls. We are asked to be found faithful in the things that he has given us to do, and we do this by his strength, with the perspective that he is coming back again. As a church, I thought it would be wonderful um, to say the Lord's Prayer together. This is a beautiful prayer that many Christians have prayed throughout the years and continue to. Um, so let's say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.